This is Twin City Song Story. I'm your host, Mark Sweeney. And here's one of my favorite things from this last year. Ryan Dean creates work under the name LIV, or Live Instructional Video. He's a multidisciplinary artist searching for a marriage between music and dance. You might think those two already complement each other, but Ryan creates his own music in the same space in which he performs. He likes to explore limits. And he would say he's limited by the capability of his body and his instrument. But if you watch his performance, you start to see how one enhances the other. His 2014 Fringe show, Laser Juice, was difficult to define. Derek Lee Miller wrote in his Minnesota Playlist Best of 2014 article that Laser Juice is a thrash electronic noise dance explosion about a lone man traveling through the depths of space in a junker spaceship in search of the party planet with only his obnoxious and maybe malevolent invisible robot to accompany him. Personally, I called it a triple threat for the 31st century, which is rather hyperbolic, but I saw elements of vaudeville and Kaufman, and it was an unpredictable assault on the audience that took tons of risks. And also, it was really moving. So here's Ryan Dean talking about the composition that he created for the last 20 minutes of Laser Juice, entitled Space Dance. Enjoy. Well, my name is Ryan Dean. I am a multidisciplinary performance artist. I'm going to talk to you about a excerpt from a piece I did at the 2014 Fringe Festival. I just go by the working title because it's part of a larger work um, as the space dance. Um, so I work with a lot of electronics and found sound. And um, it's different from you know what a lot of people are, are doing today, which is sort of pre-programming everything I always consider what the need is that is in that and if I can do something live I will do it live because I like to have it in my hands um, and it's not like a control thing it's just like if I have the freedom to perform live I will do that but being both a dancer and musician it's kind of hard to do both I've constantly been on this journey to try and integrate those two things throughout my artistic career it's all very at my hands so when I'm composing I'll, I'll make sounds and then um, you know arrange them and I, I use several different things I use synthesizers and then I will um, manipulate those sounds with um, either analog or hybrid digital analog um, gear you know, pedals and whatnot. None of it is what we call like MIDI clocked, which is, that makes it like, so that everything's kind of communicating with each other. There's nothing quite so static about the way that I use my instruments, but I like to think about the pathways. And I think of electricity more as like water, where when I'm affecting it, I'm either expanding it, stretching it out. You know, it's when I, compress something down so that you're only hearing a little bit of it. It's like I'm closing the floodgates. But then it takes on a new meaning when I start applying those sounds to a project. And I start thinking about what that sound 
actually relates to. You know, and if it is really chaotic, sometimes that can express a deeper sense of something that I might be doing movement-wise that's very serene and peaceful. You know, even just contrasting those two things, um, having them both inhabit the same kind of space can really inform you about what your own feelings are about in that instance and also tell the audience that there's something else going on that is not on the surface. I'm primarily from a dance background. The way I make music now isn't at all the way I was making music when I first started. Um, the way I make music is self-taught, whereas when I initially started dancing, I was a trainee at best, you know. I like the way that I use electronics for the fact that I don't have everything available to me. I don't use a computer um, with a program like Ableton that you know has everything available to you because it's about the parameters that you set for yourself that allow you to go deeper with it. If I had everything available to me, maybe I'd settle for something else because I'm more interested in the investigation. But when I've actually got like physical items that prevent me from having every sound that I could possibly think of or you know want to think of, then I then I'm starting to work within a medium, and that's not unlike the body because the body has limitations too, and I can't reach outside of my body. But the way I do that is by evoking senses you know, conflict within myself or, you know, projecting certain s senses, you know, there's something about, you know, being a live performer allows you to, as I said before, empathize, but you can also project that and bring people in, in a sympathetic way and they'll reciprocate that way because you're a live body. I'm in the space with you. You're not safe. Oh, from me, you know what I mean? As you saw in the performance, like, nobody's safe. I will I will tear you up and chew you up, and then I'll spit you back out, and hopefully you'll still be a person when everything's said and done. The performance itself was in a black box, right? And I left the lighting dim and, and, and backlit so that you would see the silhouette and you wouldn't see much of what I was actually, what I actually looked like because the appearance of what I was wasn't the important thing. The important thing was that I was identified as existing in the space. Um, so you got a black box and you just got a lighter who you see the silhouette, except the silhouette is light instead of black. So there's the visual element of just identifying the human being, you know, in the space. And then the sound is meant to enhance that. And this is we have periphery in the eyes. We also have periphery in the mind where a sound can set up a certain kind of environment. And as you flex and change that environment, you know, it also changes how we feel about what we're seeing. And so my purpose was this, with this was to evoke that sense that this space goes on beyond the confines of this building that it reaches far past. Just the fleeting space that we are in 
right now, which is a, maybe at best a 40 by 40 room. Yeah. And we're all existing in this and you're in your chair and I'm on stage. I've actually for many years, I guess it's almost about a decade now, been working on what I call episodic theater. And that is, it's like modular theater in that you sort of have these little modes or I don't want to say vignettes, but modular in the sense that I can, I can take, I've got an idea, right? And I'm, and I'm trying to get it, I'm trying to get the point across in an enjoyable way without hitting it over the head. I've been performing at unusual venues and you don't always have an, a dedicated time to perform to people. So you've got a, you've got 15 minutes and you want to do the best you can to convey the entirety of your story rather than just contract it and just do like a portion of it. So you just kind of narrow things down. It's like, what is really needed to kind of get my point across? And so I create a lot of different types of theater within that. Some is, you know, jokes, stand-up comedy, or some of it's like puppetry, or some of it's dance, or some of it's live music, or sometimes it's a marriage of some of those things within that. But it's using all of the various arts that I have in my repertoire, passing through them, sometimes it's poetry, to point towards a direction, rather than create this seamless through line, because I'm not so worried about continuity. You know what I mean? I feel like whether you have a continuous story or not, people are going to draw from it what they want to. There's something sort of remarkable about putting people in an uncomfortable place and changing their expectations. And the way I do that is by not paying attention to strict continuity. When you break that continuity, it it's surprising Sometimes it's frustrating, but then this particular work was a, was about frustration. And in the midst of that, you know, he's trying to go on and his train of thought keeps getting broken. And so through that, you see this character, the truer character develop, or at least a truer sense of the character develop out of the frustrations that he's experiencing, because you're also experiencing it with him. So by breaking that, by creating this sort of incongruent path, you start to see um, a little bit more coloration with the character itself. If dance is the way that uh, emotion looks and feels, and we respond to dance because it's uh, an empathetic sense, we can see a body and we respond to it because we also have a body and we can imagine what it might be like to use our body in that way or you know sometimes it impresses us sometimes you know. so if dance is the way that emotion looks and feels and behaves then sound would be the way that emotion sounds so the marriage of those two is really important to me
Thank you for listening to Twin City Song Story, produced and hosted by Mark Sweeney with support from Noise Picnic. For more information about Ryan Dean and live instructional video, visit StormyWeatherSunrise at blogspot.com. If you like what you hear, please rate Twin City Song Story on iTunes and spread the word. This is Twin City Song Story.